0: It's Thursday, August 8th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser. And from Motley Fool Pro and Options, Brian Hinman. Happy Thursday, gents. Hello. Earnings Palooza rolls on. We're going to talk Tesla Motors, Green Mountain Coffee Roasters, Groupon. we got some exciting food news to dig into as well. Um, but let's start with Tesla Motors. Uh, in the second quarter... You know, there are a lot of numbers that we could be focusing on, but I'm just I choose to focus on this one, and this will be my handoff to you, Jason. In the second quarter, Tesla Motors sold 5,150 cars, which is 650 cars more than they were expected to sell. killing it. and so shares up 14, 15 percent when we walked in the studio this morning. This makes total sense.
1: <laughs> uh, sure. I mean, I guess, you know, the market is obviously a forward-looking mechanism. It seemed like the market sort of jumped in a time machine with this one and just sped up about 20 years, because it's, it's it's looking down the road, really, at a lot of uh, what Tesla hasn't done yet, but is talking about bringing to the table, you know? And I think part of, part of the enthusiasm certainly gets behind Elon Musk. Uh, he's, he's just no risk is big enough, certainly one of the... One of the great forward thinkers of our time, and um, and for better or worse, he's he's got people excited about what Tesla can do. And I mean, I think there's there's good reason at least to be enthusiastic about the company. I mean, uh, talking about bringing in a more affordable vehicle. I mean, right now, you know, Tesla, that's that's the one uh, knock against it. It's just it's not an affordable car for the masses. But he's talking about uh, really, you know, within the next few years, being able to bring in around a $35,000 uh, model, which will certainly uh, open open itself up to a bigger market. Now, whether they can get that there or not, it just remains to be seen. I mean, certainly there is a lot of enthusiasm baked into the price today. Uh, it's it's just a great story. Uh, but, but yeah, I think that the price today is one where you have to be very careful uh, jumping in on this feel-good uh <laughs> Now, Jason, I'm story. glad you brought
2: up price. Let's dive in on price here a little bit. Speaking Take it away, <laughs> Brian. Uh, so, Jason brought up the point that, The market loves this story, and the market is looking deep, deep, deep into the future. Um, I am not going to sit here and tell anyone to bet against this stock, because it goes up 15% every day. Uh, And so, I don't... It's had a phenomenal run. (laughs) I don't want to keep people from earning 15% a day. That's a really (laughs) good return. Um, However, I do want to urge investors out there to understand what they're paying for. Um, And so, I risk... You know, going off the rails here and losing everyone. So bear with me for a for a moment. Uh, and Chris, please do keep me on track here and, and ask okay. for clarifying questions. Um, so fifty one hundred or, or yeah, fifty one hundred and fifty cars this quarter, as you said. That's twenty thousand six hundred cars annualized. For perspective, uh, global auto sales expected in 2013, $67 So that gives Tesla a 0.3% market share. For more perspective, GM uh, expected to sell just shy of 10 million cars, uh, just shy of 15% market share. Okay, so so Tesla's small, but what are they going to be in the future? Well, right now, uh, their enterprise value is $15.7 billion. So investors are paying roughly $765,000 per car, they're going to sell this year. Yikes. <laughs> GM, on the other hand, for perspective, right? Enterprise value of $63 billion. Investors are paying $6,000 per car GM is going to sell this year. So uh, investors today are paying 765000 per car for Tesla and 6000 per car for GM. But today doesn't matter, I tell you. <laughs> the future matters. It's all about the future. So I asked myself the question, what has to happen in 10 years for those two valuations, enterprise value per car produced, to be equal? Uh, What is the market pricing in over 10 years? So this is a silly game to play, but it it, it puts it in perspective. So we have to make some assumptions. Uh, My assumption is over the next 10 years, global auto sales grow by 4% a year. Uh, I assume that GM loses market share. So, they go from about 15% down to 12%. I think GM losing market share is a fair
1: assumption.
0: That, I was going to say, I don't think anyone is, other than Joe Meger, who's who's probably r- reaching through the interwebs trying to slap <laughs> yeah. you right now. I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's a relatively safe bet. So the, so, a little bit of market share. I mean, yeah, a little bit. I mean, yeah, it's in, not, in it's all not serious, dramatic. just losing, losing a little yeah. bit of market share. That's not catastrophic. Yeah. So, their market share drops from 15% to 12%.
2: Uh, so, in 10 years. Uh, I project GM to produce 12 million cars. Uh, Tesla, I estimate their sales increase by, their vehicles produce increase by a cool 145 times. So they now produce 3 million as opposed to 20,600, uh, giving them 3% uh, of global market share to GM's 12%. And you get a value per car of about fifty two, fifty three hundred dollars for each. So the market today, under this, you know, these these assumptions, is saying basically, Tesla's twenty thousand cars this year is going to grow to three million cars in ten years, while the rest of the market basically loses market share. Um, is that a, is that a sane assumption? Uh, maybe it is, um, but it's a big assumption, and we're not making any sort of claims about the profitability of all of this, right. because you can't just go from producing 20,000 cars to, to 3 million cars without building some serious infrastructure. Now, not just the manufacturing, but the ability for these cars to zip around the globe needs infrastructure. So, there's, there's attendant uh, spending that's required to that. So, all I'm saying is $765,000 per
1: car today for Tesla Sounds rich to me. A little <laughs> a little rich. So so know what you're buying. So there was a pretty funny exchange on the conference call this morning, but uh, whenever it was, but I was looking through the notes, and uh, so I think one of the risks we've we've always addressed is with Elon Musk is with with others uh, like him is that are they spreading themselves too thin? And so one of the one of the analysts on the call asked the question: Are, are Tesla shareholders going to see any benefit from the Hyperloop? And, you know, the Hyperloop is that <laughs> mode of transportation we're yes. talking about, connecting LA and San Fran, and you get there in like three hours or what, forty five minutes or something. So. Elon Musk replies, I don't know. I I think it's not out of the question, but I I think I kind of shot myself on the foot by ever mentioning that, I believe, because I'm too strung out. Obviously, I have to focus on core Tesla business and SpaceX, uh, SpaceX business, and that's more than enough. So I think that you have to keep in mind here that even this guy is recognizing the fact that maybe he's feeling a little bit spread thin.
0: I was going to say, I, those are words you don't want to hear your CEO say out no, loud. No, on the one don't. hand, you can applaud the honesty. But on the other hand, at the end of the day, if, CEO of, if the CEO of the company that you own shares of is saying, I'm strung out, that's when you need to say, uh, what is the bench like in the management? Absolutely. I have no idea who his top lieutenants are. Um, again, I, I, I think that and that's he's not he's all- an incredibly impressive guy, but when you look – I'm, I'm with you guys. I look at this stock and I think that's great, particularly for the, our colleagues in the office who own shares and are you know outside these walls of the studio, um, just giddy with, with what, the performance of the past year. But it also seems like, hey, look, last quarter they turned a profit when no one thought they would. Or, or certainly much sooner than people thought they would. They repeated that this time. Um, next year, we start to run into higher expectations, higher comps. I don't know. It just.
1: And don't forget Solar City. I mean, he's the chairman of the board of Solar City. Owns a significant amount of that company. So I mean, it's it's all to say that. Listen, I love what this company stands for, and I love what they're doing, and I think that Elon Musk is just. He's one of my favorite guys out there. I love the way he thinks. He's just no risk is too too big. Uh, but i mean if you 're looking at Tesla today, you have to acknowledge i mean everything Brian said, along with the fact that this this guy he 's got his, his, he 's got a lot of pokers in the fire and and it 's just it 's something to keep in mind
0: Green Mountain coffee roasters third quarter profit rose nearly sixty percent, but revenue was at the low end of projections. Uh, shares opened this morning down about seven eight percent they seem to have stabilized a little bit it 's only down maybe a percent or so but uh, uh, wh- where are we with this company now, Brian? Because uh, at one point, this was uh, the center of uh, – basically, they had a target on their back, and Dan yeah. Loeb was the one who put it there yeah. with his uh, famous uh, presentation to short the stock. Uh, uh, David Einhorn. David Einhorn. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I get those billionaire hedge fund guys confused. <laughs> uh, wh- but what what did you think of the quarter, and, and where are we with this company right now?
2: Yeah, so for perspective, um, that big – Short case. Uh, part of it was that uh, you know there was some accounting shenanigans going on. Um, that they were uh, Green Mountain was stuffing the channels. Uh, you know, effectively they had some inner dealings going on where they were double counting things, and and basically they were uh, claiming to sell a lot more uh, coffee pods, k cups than than was actually going on. Uh. Massive short, you know, short case against it. And ultimately, the CEO uh, was was pushed out. Uh, so new CEO, Brian Kelly, came in uh, with a huge task in front of him. You know, there is uh, image problems here. Uh, you have to regain the trust of the investing world. Um, he's been on the job for eight months now uh, and is really doing a bang-up job. Um, the short case is a lot weaker now than, than it used to be. Uh, Here's how he's done a really good job. Uh, He is slowly but surely uh, instilling trust that the financials are actually accurate. Uh, Green Mountain for a long time was an earnings story and not a cash flow story. There was no real money being made behind the earnings presented. That's starting to change. The company had a a great cash flow quarter, uh, and it's managing its inventory better. So so definitely on the right path there. Um, the other part of the short case was that K-Cup patents were expiring. Right. So all of a sudden, the market was going to be flooded with uh, you know knockoff K-Cups, and nobody was going to pay the premium for Green Mountain partnered or branded K-Cups. Uh, since the patents rolled off, uh, those unlicensed K-Cups have taken about 8% market share. Not the end of the world. Uh, significant, but not the end of the world. Um, but Green Mountain has continued to gross sales of its K-Cups. So uh, things are okay there. They've stabilized, if nothing else. And one thing that I really like what Brian Kelly has done is he is is reaching out to those adversaries, those unlicensed K-Cup producers, and is trying to make them Green Mountain partners, saying, hey, we want to make sure that quality is up to par so that when something is put into our machine, it works really well that the consumer has a great experience every time. And also, hey, we're going to be rolling out new technologies. If you want to be a part of those new technologies, you need to be a partner of ours. So he is selectively reaching out to those adversaries uh, and trying to make them partners. So a totally different tack than I feel like the uh, former CEO would have taken. And then lastly, uh, he's beefed up the rate of innovation. Uh, they're you know adding new new products. They are... Uh, they announced The View, which makes espresso and cold-based beverages. Um, I don't think that's going very well. But he has definitely refocused the company on innovation. So I'd say in eight months, the turnaround here, uh, he really deserves some credit. Um,
0: Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like uh, while there was certainly a big job uh, that he had walking in the door, it also seems like the sort of thing that – on day one, you could look at this guy and think, well yeah, he's got a big task ahead of him, but if he executes against it yeah. then then there are things that automatically are in some ways double wins if you If you restore confidence in your financial statements one that's just inherently a good thing two you remove a lot of the people out there who the main impetus for them, and i 'm not saying this was the case with david einhorn uh but the, for some people looking to short this stock the main impetus was all about the financials yeah and then once those get cleaned up you know all of that yeah, no doubt
2: about it and goes, let, let's let us let us not overlook the uh, the fact here chris that this is a pretty good business uh you know just in terms from a of margin the, f- standpoint and from the business model standpoint you know yeah. it's it's a razor and razor blade uh model and your razor blade is you know uh, something that People drink like crazy and are addicted to. Um, so this is a, this is a pretty good business. A horse racing analogy. Um,
0: That's good because you just made an analogy about drinking razor blades. So please, by
2: all means, move on to a horse this, racing analogy. Right, this is this is you don't need to make a jockey bet here. Like this is just a good horse. Fundamentally, yeah. this is a pretty good horse. Uh, and you put a better jockey on a you know fundamentally good good horse, and good things can happen.
1: And you have to remember too that these guys will. Reap also the success of other companies out there, namely your Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts, because as those companies, develop more of those K-Cups to sell for, you know, those machines, I mean, they get a little scrape off that. So, yep. I mean, you can see why now. I mean, Starbucks never really tried to put Green Mountain Coffee out of business. I mean, there was no need to. They right. they could just kind of be a part of that market as well. And, and you know, they introduced their own machine along, along the way. But, uh, yeah.
2: And, and, and to that point, and, and to, to further my, my point about uh, Brian Kelly reaching out to adversaries and making them partners, uh, in his short you know, eight month stint so far, he has uh, re-upped all of the important partnerships, including Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, um, you know, all of the, the the various brands that you know work with the the Keurig Brewers. Uh, so he has definitely uh, taken the long term view here.
0: Uh, I think that uh, given everything we've just said about Tesla, it would be easy for people to think that that's the most absurd thing going on in the stock market today. Fortunately. There's Groupon. Uh, second quarter earnings for Groupon, two cents a share. Revenue was up 7%. And based on that, Jason, shares of Groupon up 28% this morning. But, Chris, there was a leadership announcement. Uh, yes. They, they have the gone away. Two a w- leadership announcement. Yes. Uh, I, I guess it was – was it earlier this year? It's like that, 13% each leader. That, uh, that uh, Andrew Mason – uh, Stepped down as CEO, and they had co CEOs in place, and mm. now they have one CEO, Eric Levkovsky. Levkovsky, yeah, he's Lankowski's one of the one start. of the original
1: founders, I think, of the company. And
0: so. uh, Ted Leonsis is uh, the new chairman of the board. Yeah, yeah. Well, is, I mean, is Ted's that, I mean, in all honesty, is that it? I mean, is that what is driving the stock this morning, or is it just these meager? I think earnings? there I, there are, there are a couple of good things here. I mean, really, it, let's
1: be very clear. I mean, Groupon, I think, faces a lot of fundamental challenges. But with that said, I mean, they did. They did present a pretty good quarter here. I mean, there there are a lot of things to sort of shine a light on here. I mean, I think the leadership change, uh, you know, Lefkovsky, getting there's some certainty now with a CEO who's not only familiar with the business, but but I think has at least a vision on where he'd like to take it. Uh, Teddy Leonsis has been here a couple times, yeah. talked up the Groupon model, and, and I think he's still a big believer. And I think getting someone in there who's who's a big believer in the business of the chairman of the board is important as well. And so I think he'll he'll certainly uh, do what he can to help to help move this business in the right direction as well. Uh, you know it 's really i think it 's worth noting they saw a big move in the mobile segment this this quarter, which uh you know let 's face it that 's that 's sort of the theme of two thousand and thirteen really is how all of these how all of these companies are really uh, sort of figuring out this mobile landscape and it was nearly fifty percent of their North American transactions uh came from mobile that was up from thirty percent the same same month last year so uh that 's that 's encouraging as well you know and the thing about Groupon is it started out as just this your email inbox would get peppered with these daily deals. Yeah. Who cared if you really wanted them, not? Right? they just go to your spam folder, and there was no real – there's nothing there. And so they, I think they kind of figured out at some point that they had to do something different. And so they are they're, – they're taking sort of their website now and offering – a lot of things through that site. It's not just daily deals. I mean, you can get your daily deals. You can get uh, travel deals. You can get shopping deals. You can make reservations now with you know at restaurants. And I think that's all fine and dandy. But the problem is. That they're having to sort of back into a lot of these markets that already have a lot of compelling first movers. And, and, and I'm talking about, you know, like table reservations. Okay, well, Open Table has really done a lot in that space already. The online shopping, give me a break. I mean, Amazon, you're going up against those guys. Yeah. Let's, let's be real here. With travel deals, I mean, they do have a, a working relationship, it looks like, with Expedia, which I think is encouraging. But again, you're facing other entities like Orbitz or Priceline, to name a few. Uh, so th- I think they're going to face at least some issues there in competing against uh, uh, against those types of companies. Now, the nice part is that they sort of offer that one place where you can get all of that stuff. Uh, I, I I think that, again, I think that this is a business that they provide a neat little service. I think it's going to be somewhat limited because of all of these first movers in these spaces already. But they're doing what they needed to do to to. At least make this business uh, you know, have, have at least a chance. Uh, one of the things that really kind of kind of got me a little bit on this—they announced a three hundred million dollars share. buyback I was just going to mention which is that. is just
0: killing me. I mean, I, I look at that and I think, man, guys, what? Okay, You have like a that dual. That, uh, for a company that has struggled in the public markets as Groupon has, and for a company that has not been public all that long, that to me was the big surprise here—that they would three hundred million dollars share buyback. It, o- over the next, I believe, two years, two but years. I, I, I was like, really? That's the best use of your money? Well, I mean, they.
1: so I think that a lot of times you see these companies turn around and kind of get going back in a decent direction. The stock price is moving up. And now just to top it off, they're saying, hey, we're buying back our stock. And that's just a, like the ultimate sign of success. And, and, and really, it's not. I mean, uh, at least they were very transparent in the call that it's just this buyback program is to offset dilution from compensation, period. That's what it is. Uh, so in my mind, that's a waste of three million. million. When you look at the number of shares outstanding, this is potentially something that might, I mean, it's essentially going to keep share count flat as opposed to actually doing anything meaningful for shareholders. I feel like with $300 million at the stage this business is in, that's $300 million that you need to be investing in this business at this point in time, not buying back shares. And then to top it off, you know, you've got this dual share class structure, which basically puts all the power in just a couple of people's hands. So, you know, I mean, shareholders are just kind of along for the ride here. Thankfully, I'm not one. I mean, I give them a lot of credit for what they've been able to do to this point. I, I, I Still, I would not buy this stock with your money and with Brian
0: clicking the buy button. Wouldn't happen. <laughs> it is a nice ride, though, if you're a shareholder. when yeah. Shares are popping almost 30%. Is is this a stock that you look at, Brian, and think that you want to uh, invest in in any way, whether it's, I'm thinking of buying shares. I'm thinking of an option play. I'm thinking of a short. Is Or is this just a stock that you look at and say, you know what? Uh, no, thank you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, absolutely what? <laughs> absolutely, there is there has got to be some way that I would touch this thing. Uh, we in Motley Fool Pro. We looked at shorting this uh, when Groupon was about fifteen dollars. You or couldn't get $17. enough shares. Though. We couldn't get enough shares. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, at that time, we said, and, and granted, that was probably about a year ago now. Uh, we said shares were probably worth around uh, nine or ten. And and that nine or ten dollar valuation was still with some pretty big assumptions baked in. So shares went all the way down to three dollars or so. Um, and so you know, flipping that around, hey, we said. Shares might be worth nine or ten dollars. So at three, they were looking interesting. But we realized that our assumptions were still pretty, you know, still pretty big at that point. So yeah, there's a situation where you know you can bet on these things, and options are uh, a decent way to do it because you can limit your downside uh, a little more. Uh, But as far as the future of Groupon goes, I don't know that I want to touch it. When I look at what this company has, what it does have is mobile eyeballs and like jason said that that's big right now and the reason that I think that's big is because there's only so much room on uh the first page of of my iPhone screen, yeah so there are only so many apps that are going to live there uh and if you know there there there's a massive land grab going on now to own that sort of you know, app usage, the, 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 first, the first page of your, your iPhone, if you will. Um, and Groupon is trying a lot of different things to, be, to remain relevant, and the mobile numbers they put up were pretty good. Uh, same with Yelp. Um, so these companies have value because they have mobile eyeballs, uh, but that's really hard to say whether you know, the value the market is putting on that is appropriate or not.
1: Or is it sustainable? You know, I mean, who comes out with a better mousetrap? And then all of a sudden, what happens to those eyeballs?
0: I, I mean, to the point that you made, I, I realizing that I joked early in this conversation about Groupon about the, the stock price move being tied to just a leadership change, <laughs> it, it, there is something to be said with having leadership at the top that uh, is knowledgeable and very focused. Um, you know, it is, it, you know... Uh, not taking anything away from Elon Musk's leadership of Tesla Motors. He's done done an amazing job. Um, But, you know, having a CEO uh, as Groupon now does uh, and a chairman uh, who are, both are heavily invested, literally and figuratively, in yeah. this company and its success. I think that that, that is a net positive. Obviously, yeah. What, what
2: I'm that. really looking forward to seeing from the from the new CEO is companies that serve two masters. Um, it, it's a, a very difficult game to play, and so Groupon serves two masters in that they obviously have you know us, the app users, the you know the consumers, but then on the other side they have the mom and pop businesses and right. the, the storefronts of the products that they're selling. Uh, I have no idea which one they really care about uh, I don't think that is clear um, they need to do a good job with both of them but ultimately they have to keep bo- you know they have to keep both happy but they need to probably make a decision and it'll be interesting to see which direction the new CEO goes
1: worth noting that the market cap crept over a uh, seven billion dollars today that's you know considering Google offered six billion <laughs> a little while back things are kind of looking good yeah there you go and, and I mean all kidding aside, I mean, hands, you know, hats off to this management team. They've really done something to, to give this business a shot. So, I mean, as, as much fun as we make of, of Groupon, I mean, I, I do, I do think they turned in a great quarter, and I applaud them for that.
0: You can follow us on Twitter. @marketfoolery at MarketFoolery is our handle on Twitter. Uh, a tweet from Edward Lee, a listener in San Francisco, uh, who wrote: Tuesday's podcast was hilarious. Three straight white guys talking about fashion retail. <laughs> <laughs> what are you
1: guys talking about? We, here?
0: we were talking about American Eagle and just the the warning oh, yeah. that they had and sort of the ripple effect for Urban Outfitters. That's right.
1: Dave and I were talking about it on the yeah.
0: investor beat. That's right. Yeah, to, I, be,
2: to be fair, for our friend in San Francisco, the Matt show yesterday, uh, populated by two of the better, uh, you know, the better, the, the the better dressed investors we have here. Oh, yeah. At the company now, realize that I'm setting that bar really low. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but hey,
0: Matt and Matt good dressers. Um, So uh, for Edward and others, we'll, we'll get back to what we're good at, and that's food. Yum! Brands is expanding the test of its waffle taco. It was being tested in just three locations in Southern California. It is now being rolled out to about 100 locations in Fresno, California, Omaha, Nebraska, and Chattanooga, Tennessee. This is it. This is the This is the last run before Broadway. This is, you know, or this is, you know, to use this. sports. I've never seen a more clear buy signal than this. Hey, you know what? You could have said that about the Doritos Locos taco. and uh, I've learned my
2: lesson. You would have been right. The Doritos Locos
0: waffle thing is coming
2: next, and it's going to be the. the,
0: And just for for our dozens of listeners, this is a a waffle bent in the shape of a taco (laughs) shell, a hard taco shell, with sausage and egg in it. So it's a breakfast sandwich. I don't know. I am I am hesitant to bet against this idea. <laughs> I don't think you can bet against it. I mean, I think it
1: probably uh, taps into something that Taco Bell hasn't really been known for in their breakfast foods. I mean, they they do have breakfast, but uh, I mean, it's never been anything very memorable uh, that I that I can think of. But Chris, I this all of a sudden, Chris, really I have out.
2: I have a brand new franchise opportunity for you. Okay. It looks a lot like a Chipotle. But instead of, uh, instead of flour tortilla-based tacos and burritos, uh, our, 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 our base is waffles. And you can come in and you can fill up with, you know, eggs. You can fill up with bacon. You can throw some fried chicken in there. You know, hey, why not? We'll, we'll have guacamole, uh, you know, shredded cheese.
1: We, we got it all here. So it's like that taco salad bowl, but it's a waffle instead. This, this cannot fail. So you know why these discussions are so good? You know, you have that moment when the light bulb just goes off. Sure. And we always ask, like, well, what would you do? I mean, you know, so I just thought about it. I mean, okay, I'm, I love barbecue. Barbecue's like just money in so many ways. And I love hush puppies. Now imagine <laughs> the barbecue sandwich with okay. the hush puppy bun. Okay. A little slaw in between that bad boy.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm, you can't tell me that doesn't have
0: legs. I think that's lex like, sure, absolutely. <laughs> I mean – On a slightly more serious note, though, and this is a question that was raised by our colleague Rick Minares in an article he wrote on fool.com. Where is Chipotle when it comes to breakfast? Is Chipotle at all looking at breakfast? They because are. Because you have to, on some level, look at this and think – Wait a minute, how much money are they making? How much additional revenue? We only have to open the stores uh, you know, I've a, noted a, a couple of calls
1: I've noted a couple of calls where they've specifically been asked that question because they have a couple of stores around where they keep they open them earlier in the morning and they sort of experiment with different things and breakfast burritos have, have been uh, have been one of them but uh yeah, I mean I you know it's something that Steve L certainly acknowledges is out there in some markets it would be a little bit more in demand than others um I, I would. I would say just to kind of stay tuned. Yeah, and I, I don't doubt
2: this really plays into it because they've got they've got reasonable pricing power, but but pasture raised organic eggs are really expensive. So <laughs> that's
0: a very good point. All right, uh, drop us an email radio at fool dot com or uh, shoot us a message on Twitter at market foolery. If you are in the Fresno, Omaha, or Chattanooga area and you actually want to give the waffle taco a shot, let us know what you think. Jason Moser, Brian Hemick, Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you, sir. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.
2: Chris, I blew it. I should have called my franchise concept Wafolte. <laughs> Can we edit that, Anne? You work what? magic back there. Can you? Can you? Can you, can you dub in Wafolte for me? Spell
1: that. W a we'll work out the details O-L-T-E?
2: and and can we also can we also end the show O-T-L-E. with uh, <laughs> giving people my phone number so they can call me for franchise information for for Waffle think
0: have you uh, have you gone to godaddy.com and registered I, that? I'm getting it right now <laughs> as okay. soon as I get back to my I desk. think we need to up the
1: ante too is if you not only tell us about the taco but if you could tweet a picture of you actually eating the breakfast taco you get extra credit for that yeah that's
2: Wafflete research right there.